Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, Mike Abadir, and I'm alongside Gino Bacola. We've got a great show for everyone. Happy New Year. We're going to be talking about our NFL playoff contest, Pick'em Contest. We'll talk about that in a little whoa, bit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. I thought we were talking New Japan Pro Wrestling today. <laughs> After I mean, we talk New Japan New Wrestling, I was uh, which I know you'd love to talk about. New Japan Pro Wrestling show, it started at 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 Eastern last night, and it went till about 5 o'clock, Paci- a little after 5 o'clock Pacific time, so I was up watching six hours of wrestling. You weren't, Mike? I, I, I thought that's what we were talking about today. I have no idea what you're even talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. I know you're a big re- wrestling fan, but I'm a big fan of college football, so we've got an outstanding national championship game. We'll cover that. We're also going to talk about the Lakers with an insider, Alex Regula from, well, you go ahead and give us a little bit of background on Alex, because uh, I know you guys have a good relationship and he does some fantastic work covering the Lakers. Well, anyone that's a Laker fan, I'm going to kind of gravitate towards them somehow. But Alex works for uh, Silver Screen and Roll, SB Nation. He's a contributor there. So he, I follow the website and he's, I've been seeing his stories pop up recently. So I followed him on Twitter and started to see he's, he's really sharp. He knows the Lakers very well. And we haven't had a lot of time to talk basketball, Mike. We've had so much NFL, college football, some horse racing, baseball talk. So this this is kind of going to be the part of the year where I think we'll start to talk a lot of basketball now moving forward. Uh, probably one segment each show for the next few weeks. I know we still have a lot of football going on, but I got to get my Laker fix in. And the Lakers started out, they had a really nice start to the season. The rooks were playing well. The young kids are playing well, and now we've started to hit a tailspin. So we'll talk to Alex a little bit about that and uh, and get his opinion on what's going wrong with the Lakers and maybe who are some of the uh, the key young players that this team should build around moving forward. Definitely looking forward to that. So before we jump into our college football playoff talk, I want to tell you a quick story. So. Everybody was, uh, uh, you know, dreading going back to work, obviously, uh, after, you know, your Christmas break, uh, your, you know, day off for Christmas, day off for New Year's, hungover, whatever the case may be. And I was talking to a friend of mine. She works at a big law firm. And she said that she got back to work and their security for their web team, what they did is they put a blocker and they blocked a lot of the websites that she normally goes to. So she's told me that she's really bummed about it. And here I am thinking that she's bummed because she's not going to be able to go, you know, whatever, shopping sites, sports sites, news sites or whatever. She's like, no, I'm bummed because I can't listen to you and Gino talk sports. And I was like, oh, oh I get hey. it. Yeah. You know, so anyways, always good to hear uh, that uh, our listeners are enjoying the show. Uh, we're, we've got a great contest that we're going to roll out. We'll talk about that a little bit more later when we get into the NFL playoff talk. But you can go on to Gino's Twitter or my Twitter or or Facebook and and find out a little bit more about this contest should be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to participate with some of our radio guests and some of our listeners and, and compete a little bit, maybe a little bit of smack talk. There's a message board on there. So we encourage everybody to jump in and uh, put your picks together and see if you could win. And we've got a couple of prizes. 
Uh, well, let's just mention it right now because we'll okay. mention it a few times throughout the show. If you okay. go to it's a it's the Pro Football Pick'em on Yahoo Sports, so you can click the link from Mike's Twitter or from my Twitter. We'll retweet it again over the next couple of days. Make sure you get them in before the Saturday games. Get your picks in before the games, and it's just like a a bracket. It's very simple to fill out. All you have to do is just follow the rules. You just pick the winners of each game, and you give some confidence points on which games you like the most. That's it. Even if you don't know football very well, even if you're not like a crazy football analyst, you don't watch, you don't play fantasy, any of that stuff, it doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, you you just pick one each game, and then next week you'll have to pick uh, the teams that are left, and I think the same will go on again next week. So it does all the scoring for us. We'll be able to see who um, who gets the job done and wins. And then the winner, we're going to give a, a $50 Amazon gift card. And we're going to give you the opportunity to come on the show and host a segment where you can talk about how you made your winning selections and whatever else you want for that 15 to 20 minutes. So you can be the... Uh, the producer and the host of the show and Mike and I will be your co-hosts and we'll uh, we'll research and talk about whatever you want for that 15-20 minutes so kind of a fun opportunity and I've already had some folks out there on Twitter that have said uh, they're going to focus on racing one of my buddies Don said Gino you better get ready because we're going to talk 15-20 minutes about the Cleveland Browns so oh my gosh <laughs> so everybody I think out there in listener land is rooting against Don Landis we, yeah, can, not, I, we can all say that yeah, I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot of folks that are hoping that uh, the Don wins, <laughs> but, but we wish him the best of luck nonetheless. And, you know, you mentioned it, but worth repeating again, unlike a lot of other bracket contests, this isn't one where you're going to pick the entire bracket all the way through right out of the gate. Week one, there's only four matchups. So you're only yeah. picking four games because we don't know the following week's matchups yet. Uh you're going to come back the following week to select four more games. And then the week after that, two games and then the Super Bowl. So pretty simple. Takes about 10 seconds. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. It's on Yahoo Sports. If if you're not going to click the link, if you're just trying to uh, figure it out, it's Yahoo Sports. It's called Pro Football Hickam. And our information, our group is the Mike Abadier Show. Our group ID number is 57397. And our password is playoffs with a lowercase p playoffs so that's uh <laughs> that's our group information as uh, we mentioned you can find it on mike's twitter you can find it also on mine uh, it's me gino b and uh hopefully you get involved i mean it's free so take two two minutes fill it out you have a chance of winning a 50 dollars gift card and you can come on here and talk some smack to us so you might as well uh, do it let a few of your friends know who do it and if, and mike if we can get a good amount i think we may have to add another prize for like maybe the top two finishers or something. So let's we'll see what the feedback is in the next couple of days. And if we continue to get a lot of people joining in, then we'll add another prize. So that way uh, we can uh, we can reward some more of the listeners um, for uh, for jumping in and getting uh, involved. Great point. And I'll even take it a step further and say, if we do get a lot of participation, we encourage some feedback. If people have ideas for future contests, we'd be more than happy to hear them and implement them. Uh, one that I'm already thinking about is maybe how we could do a couple of minor tweaks and uh, put together a really big March Madness one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe and top like, five finishers or something. Uh, you know, we could we could think about all that, but yeah, definitely welcome to feedback. Yep. Sports and stuff like that. We, we can do future leagues for uh, our our listeners and us, and we can have some fun back and forth uh, uh, interacting with the uh, the listeners. That was honestly that was always one of my favorite things at TVG was interacting with the people that were watching and listening uh, because you know. 
it's nice when you know people are out there listening, but that's that's fun. That's what I that's what I get in this for, just to uh, to interact with the people who are passionate about the stuff that we are passionate about. You know, and that that's really what the key is. So, um, just some uh some technical stuff at the beginning of the show. Hopefully, you get involved in that uh, in that group over on Yahoo Sports, Mikey. What happened to my Trojans? Let's be honest. What happened to my Trojans in that game? Uh, y- you know. It's games like that, the USC game against Ohio State the other day when Ohio State won 24-7. It's games like that that really frustrate me as a fan. I don't mind losing. I don't I don't mind getting getting your butt kicked even. Um, you, every game is different. Every season is different. Your expectations are different. Your perspective is different. But this game and this season for USC, was it's been so disappointing. You know, you, you look at the score, 24-7. And you would think, wow, Ohio State absolutely crushed USC. And then you look at the stats and you look at the numbers. And, and, you know, USC dominated the time of possession, 34 minutes to 25 minutes. Uh, USC had 23 first downs. Ohio State had 13. USC was 6 for 19 on third down conversions. Ohio State was 2 of 12. USC for, had 413 total yards on offense. Ohio State had 277 total yards on offense. But the real key to the game was the turnovers. USC had four turnovers. That led to 21 Ohio State points. Ohio State won the game 24-7. That's the difference in the game. A game that looks on paper like it was an absolute massacre. It it really wasn't. USC moved the ball. They just made some really bad mistakes, and they couldn't capitalize any time they got into Ohio State territory. You know, there are times when you're watching some of these bowl games and you're like, you know what? One team outclassed the other one. This isn't one of those games, right? This is a game where they were outcoached and the execution was better with Ohio State. They were better in all three phases of the game. I understand your disappointment. It's rightful in its disappointment because USC should be more competitive than this. They should be competing for national titles and not finishing the season with three losses. I find it interesting in that there were a lot of people after the game that said that Darnold did not look good and should come back for another season. Obviously, yesterday, the news came out within the same hour. I think uh, Darnold on Instagram and Rosen on Twitter. 20 20 minutes, I think, after each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, they both announced that they're both coming out. Um, It's interesting because... Here's the thing. There's not a lot of guys who come back for one more season who actually improve. Unless well, and- you're with a guru of a you know quarterback coach type guy or, or somebody who really, really know. I mean, I think, I, I, I think he's going to have to get to the next level and get NFL coached in order to see any kind of improvement and to be able to fit into the NFL. But from a collegiate perspective, I don't know how much better he's going to get. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, the, the two USC ones in particular that lost a ton of money were Matt Leiner and Matt Barkley, and they both came back. And, and you know, I think the difference with— And, and both, J.D. Booty, by the way. J.D. Yeah, Booty, same no, you're thing. right, and Booty, too. Yeah. And I, but I think the difference with those teams versus this team, they had a lot more on paper on coming back. I don't think Sam Darnold would be coming back to, to think he was playing for a national championship next year, whereas— Booty, Liner, and Barkley all thought they were. Their teams were a little bit more full. I, you look at this team right now, and I don't know 
you know, it's it's funny when we're talking and we're so disappointed about a team who won 11 games and is still going to finish in the top 10. But that that's the expectations with USC. And it's again, it's not that you lose. It's how you lose. It's in the big games against Notre Dame, against Ohio State, last year against Alabama, that USC is not close. And, and that just can't happen. That can't happen with the amount of talent that USC has on the field. We're not talking about a team that is playing inferior talent. That That's what's the most frustrating. So if you have equal to higher talent coming into USC and these guys don't get better over four years, what is it? It has to be a coaching issue, right? It has to be, you know, schemes, coaching, the way that you're practicing. You know, I you know, was hearing USC doesn't tackle in practice. They didn't have a bye all, all year this year. And so their coaching staff was even telling the, the players throughout the year, Hey, don't worry. We're not going to practice that hard. We got to, you know, we'll take it easy at practice. This and that. I, I don't like that mentality. You know, what happened to you? What happened to you? Practice uh, the way you play in a game. I know. I just don't like that. You know, Pete Carroll. He didn't. He, he wasn't going hours and hours and hours of full contact practice. But you got to turn it on and you got to turn the intensity up for an hour or so. You know, that's what has to happen. There has to be, you know parts of your practices where your the intensity meter and the the level is just like in the games and you know from everything I read and I hear and I've seen at, at USC that's really not the case though in, in the last couple of years they were you know a year or two ago they had some of the sanctions still with the linemen and they didn't have necessarily the numbers and, and now there's no there's no excuses for this at USC because when somebody gets hurt the next guy in is another five-star recruit you know, the next guy in is another top level, top level, top talented recruit. It should be a next man up. And it really hasn't been um, a little disappointing this year. You know, when, when you have a couple of big games and every time it felt like they were turning the corner, they took a few big steps backwards. And now, you know, they have, um, you know, a, a high level recruit supposed to be a stud coming in. He graduated early and so he'll be coming in early next year and he's going to be vying for the starting job. But they got a, for a team that was in a big bowl game. They got a lot of work to do next year. I can say that, and and I, and a lot of this is because Mike Ohio State didn't play that well. Ohio State could play much better than they did, and if USC would have run into you know uh, an Oklahoma or a Georgia like we saw the other day, or an Alabama, they would have they would have given up fifty points. No, you're absolutely right. And you know what I hate about this? What I hate the most about it is the East Coast bias. We did nothing to quash that. What was the Pac-12 in the bowl games this year? One and eight. What? One and eight. This was the worst of all time. Uh, uh, I mean, one and eight, worst record brutal. by Power Five conference ever. Um, when they've had at least, I think, five uh, in in, the, in a record of, of at least five. The Big Ten went seven and one. Uh, now we're going to have an All SEC final with Alabama versus Georgia. And you know, we can mention those those games a little bit. That Georgia Oklahoma game was incredible. The Rose Bowl, the last couple of years, um, we had a really good Penn State USC game last year, and then we had Georgia and Oklahoma this year. Georgia had 527 yards of total offense and 21 first downs. Oklahoma had 531 yards of total offense and 24 first downs. This game was back and forth, up and down. Really, nobody could stop each other. Oklahoma could not stop the Georgia run at all. This was a fun, fun game. And I, I just I wish this would have been the championship game because I have no idea how Georgia and Bama are going to live up to this game in the final. It was a fantastic game to watch. Edge of the seat type game the whole way through. 
I've been a big fan of what Lincoln Riley has done as a rookie head coach. He's done a fantastic job all year. Probably should get coach of the year or merit a lot of votes for coach of the year. He did a fantastic job getting them this far. There were a couple of decisions during the game that probably cost them. Were they a little the, passive? The they were a little passive, weren't they? Uh, there were, there's with, two with things the in particular. There, yeah, there are two things in particular that I'm going to quickly point out. One was the decision to go for a squib kick right before halftime. I thought that Georgia being able to have a short field and be able to get three points on the board before the half in a half that they were kind of dominated. Yeah. I think that was huge for momentum. It was a big victory for the team to go into the locker room, getting three cheap points. They were able to stop Oklahoma in the very first drive in the second half, and that was it. Georgia was back in the game just like that, just by a field goal and one three and out. And then after that, later in the game, you've got Baker Mayfield, and then you you, you have him pitch it to the second-team quarterback. It's too cutesy. You got to let the guy that got you there, the one you the Heisman, the the guy that could sling the rock, win you the game. I, I think they only had maybe one or two passes, you know, in uh, was it in the second overtime or, or maybe in the, the set first and second overtime combined or something. I mean, just whatever it is, they didn't give the guy that got them there the opportunity to win them the ball game, And that was it. That yeah, cost them cool. the ball game. you know, that, that. But, you know, you're right, though. Absolutely fantastic game. I don't want to harp on the coaching decisions too much because, like I said, he did a fantastic job to get them there. And here we are. We, uh, we're making the SEC fans happy uh, and everybody else miserable that we got two SEC teams once again in the national I championship. Yeah. The last time this happened was in 2011 when Alabama, again, was in it, and they beat LSU. So Alabama is the first, time, uh, first team to be in an all-SEC final twice. Uh, obviously, it's very well-deserving. Saban is looking for his fifth title in 11 seasons, which is absolutely mind-boggling, especially in this day and age. Props to they him. Just, they just crushed Clemson, too. I mean, absolutely destroyed them 24 to 6. It wasn't even competitive. As the USC game, and I'm not saying USC ever played well or was close, but, but they moved the ball a little bit. Alabama just crushed Clemson. I mean, they just, that game never even got started. It, no, it, no. it was so impressive to me because. As we talked with Rick last week from NFL Draft Bible, there were so many NFL players and so many future NFL players on Clemson. They have such a talented team. Nick Saban just, that's why he is Nick Saban right there because he was able to play Clemson with, uh, you know, with a month. He got that extra week because he didn't have to play in the conference championship game. And that was a coaching performance. And that was just, that was just a butt kicking. It really was. It, it was, you know, the game was over early. <laughs> and after the, the incredible game that we watched right before it, it was just a super dud to watch on the other uh, the other half of the final, the semifinal playoff. Sure was. And there's, there's a lot of storylines within the storylines for this national championship game. We want to talk about those as well as get into the NFL playoffs a little bit before we shift our focus to the NBA talk. We're up against the clock for a first commercial break. So why don't we take a, take a break here? We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the subplots, namely that you have uh, Kirby Smart, an understudy of Nick Saban, who is now going up against him. Kind of reminds me a little bit of when uh, Callahan went up against Gruden in the Super Bowl in 2002. I, mean, I was going to say Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader or Ray and Luke. <laughs> so, you know, we're in Star Wars. So, yes, you know, we are. I haven't seen it yet. but uh, Me neither. Not the new one. But I went through all the old ones recently just to get caught up. So now I'm, I'm ready to go see the new one. We'll have to go, Mikey. 
Okay, well, that sounds good. So let's take our first commercial break here. We'll come back. We'll uh, finish up on the uh, national championship game, talk a little NFL playoffs, talk a little bit more about the contest and each of our picks for them. And, uh, and then we'll Bakers. get Alex on board. Yep. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. Mike and Gino talking some college football playoff national championship game, Alabama and Georgia, Monday night, 5 p.m. in Atlanta. Should be a fantastic ball game. Definitely looking forward to it. Before the break, we we're just talking about some of the subplots within the plot for this championship game. One of the ones that I'm really intrigued about, Gino, is this. So you have Kirby Smart, an understudy of Nick Saban, who's now on the other side. He was asked the other day, how many of these guys in Alabama did you recruit? He said he had his hand in just about every single recruit that's on the roster this year. Um, And similarly, Alabama's defensive coordinator, Jeremy Pruitt, was also the defensive coordinator over at Georgia in 2014 and 2015. They asked him the same question, and he had his hand in every single recruiting situation as well on the Georgia side. So you got... Coaches on each side to know the personnel really, really well. Obviously, um, Kirby Smart does know Saban's philosophy as he approaches a big game. He was with him for a long time. So I don't know if it's equalized or not. Very intriguing. I'd mentioned before the break that it reminds me quite a bit of Callahan and Gruden. And we did saw what the, happened uh, there. Did you see the stat, the Saban versus the former assistant stat? 11 to no versus five of them. Versus yeah, versus former assistants, they he outscored them four twenty seven to one eleven. Um, so you know, it's stats all over the place. Everybody's talking about it, but it's kind of hard not to look at and kind of open your eyes a little bit and go, uh, "Wow, average score thirty eight ten per game." And uh, although the OC 
for Georgia, Jim Chaney has beaten Saban three times, but that was back at Purdue um, in 97, 98, 99. Yeah, well never, never in the yeah. SEC. He's actually been 0-6 against him when he's been at Tennessee and Arkansas. That was a good stat from uh, from Brian Fisher that I just saw. So That is yeah. an interesting stat. You know, it, here, here's, here's, here's how I see this game. Both have elite defenses. Both have really good running games. On the Georgia side, you have a true freshman, Jake Fromm, a quarterback, who's done a really, really good job this year. Jalen Hurts, probably a little bit underrated. He's not necessarily the type of guy that's going to be like a huge NFL prospect or anything like that, but really good game manager. He's done a fantastic job. I don't remember what his exact record is at Alabama so far, but you know how it is. All these Alabama quarterbacks end up being, you know, 32-2 and two or whatever the case may be. He's, he's kind of uh, going down that track. They what? both win their games because of good play in the trenches. So let's, I, let's I see this from being the guys, a close game. I was going to say, let's shift from the guys who only get paid under the table to the guys who actually get paid in the NFL because the uh, the NFL playoffs are coming up. But I, w- I would imagine that most of the guys playing in the national championship probably get a little slice of something under the table, <laughs> a, l- a little kick, a little something uh, underneath. Um, Mikey, playoffs start this week. There was a bizarre four-way tie last week that somehow shot the Bills into the playoffs in the AFC, which is pretty crazy because just as far as the best teams getting in, they probably were the third of the three teams that were trying to get in between the the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chargers. I would I would like to see the Chargers from a most complete team. I think they probably would have had the best chance of going in and upsetting someone. Nonetheless, that's not the case this weekend. We have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Wild card before, before you before you jump out of that thought. Did you see that when they woke up on Sunday morning, the Baltimore Ravens had a 97% chance of sewing up that playoff spot? 97%. They went through everything that had to happen in order for them not to make it. And there was a 97% chance that none of that would happen. Every single thing that had to happen for the Ravens not to go happen. Obviously, for them, they controlled their own fate and gave up the uh, touchdown within the final 43 seconds of the game, and that cost them. And they are playing at home, so very, very big disappointment. And I completely (laughs) agree with you that the Chargers of any of those teams would probably make the most noise. Bills are kind of an interesting team, but especially if LaShawn McCoy's banged up and not going to be able to go, I don't really give them a whole hell of a a good chance to, to be able to make an upset in this game here, but... Nonetheless, go ahead and continue your thought. I apologize. Oh no, no, you can uh, you can show me up anytime you want. Yeah, it it, it was pretty funny. It, it was. I mean, the Andy Dalton had to go down and drive to get the Bills in, and the really the only the only reason why the Ravens aren't in is because of their strength of schedule. So in a weird way, it's the revenge of the Browns because the Browns were so bad. Having them in their schedule twice this year is what hurt the Ravens because their strength of schedule playing against the Browns twice was the worst one in the league. So, or one of the worst ones in the league. So that's why they didn't get in. So it's funny. The revenge of Cleveland. You move from Cleveland to Baltimore. And now, you know, all these years later, Cleveland gets a little bit of revenge on Baltimore by keeping them out of the playoffs. Uh, I don't know how happy Cleveland fans are, though. Maybe they're going to be celebrating at the parade. Um, coming up in a few days, the uh, the O and sixteen parade. So, <laughs> none, none, nonetheless, we don't have to worry about the Ravens in the playoffs. We will see the Titans at the Chiefs this weekend, and then we will see 
the Bills at the Jags on uh, Sunday. That's the two AFC matchups. Where do you stand in the AFC, Mike? We'll, we won't pick them by point spread or anything. We'll just pick the game straight up. The Chiefs are minus eight. The Jags are minus eight. Uh, do either of these home teams in the AFC lose in this wild card round? Yeah, I don't know if they necessarily clear the eight-point hurdle or not, but I see both home teams advancing. I think the Chiefs are finding their early season form once again. And I'm not that impressed with Tennessee. They just don't strike fear in anybody, I don't think. I don't think they're really – I don't think they excel offensively, and I don't think they're that scary defensively. They're just good enough on offense and just good enough on defense. Kansas City is kind of starting to find that early season form once again. I see them being able to handle business, their business at Arrowhead. The Jags, you know how high I've been on them. Their only weakness is uh, their quarterback play, but he's done a good enough job to keep them um, you know, competitive and, and winning games and, and on a roll. Obviously, that team lives and dies by their defense and their good running game. Once again, I don't see the Bills excelling. They're, they're a good defensive team, good running team, good enough of a passing team. But I just don't see them scoring more points than Jacksonville to be able to win this game. So Jags advance and the Chiefs advance. What do you think? So you'd have uh, Chiefs moving on to face the Pats and the Jags moving on to face the Steelers. Yeah, I think they both move on here. But I will say this. I would probably play the Bills, especially if McCoy is in with the points. I think I think the Jags have an opportunity to beat the Steelers. But I'm more worried about the Jags winning this game. To me, they're a team that is best served when they're the underdog and they're playing against a big bad team and they can unleash their defense and there's not as much pressure on Blake Bortles. In a game like this, when they're at home, when they're supposed to win, these are the games that worry me with the Jags because I don't know if they're quite that team yet offensively that can handle their business. Defensively, they always do. But I could see some weird things happen with Tyrod Taylor kind of scrambling around a little bit, picking up some key first downs. I think that game will be a little bit closer but I do still think the two chalks will move on. So I do think we see Pats, Chiefs, Steelers, Jags. Let's just kind of continue on with the AFC um, right now. Um, Pats, Chiefs, and then Steelers, Jags. Who do you like coming out of those two games? A lot of people are talking about Kansas City's matchup in week one against the Patriots, and that makes them prime to upset the Patriots once again. I think it's a matchup problem for the Patriots, but I don't see any team in the NFL, being able to beat the Patriots twice in the same season. I think they're going to give them a hard time. They're going to give them everything that they can handle. But the Patriots find a way to win this game. It may even be by something fluky or a last-second field goal or a Tom Brady drive that's maybe extended by a PI. For whatever reason, they've got all the forces in the world that's on their side. It's been like that for 15, 18 years. I see that happening again. They'll beat the Chiefs at home in what will be a very, very tight game and a, a nail-biter for them. And I see the Jags upsetting Pittsburgh. I think this is going to be a tough matchup for Pittsburgh. I think the Jags go in there and shut down that vaunted Steeler offense. And I think defensively, they're a lot better than the Steelers are. And they got that running game to be able to control the clock. Jags win that game, which would put the Jags against the Patriots. Patriots, too much experience, too much firepower, too much Belichick, too much Brady. They go on to the Super Bowl. That's my bracket on the AFC. You, you and I have the same exact bracket. I think the Pats and the Chiefs game is going to be close. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I just think the Pats are a little too strong, and this is when you, you have to believe in Belichick. And the, to me, the AFC has just been weak all year. The the NFC is much more fun and, and a wide-open conference. Um, and then uh, I'm going to pick the Jags with the upset. 
if the Jags get through, I think they can upset Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's defense has worried me a little bit the last few weeks since the Shazier injury. Um, I know Pittsburgh can score. I know they can go up and down on you, but the Jags matched up very well on them. That was the game when Roethlisberger threw the five interceptions. I don't think it'll be that type of game again, but I do think that they they have a, they match up very, very well with them. They're kind of the mirror image of what they don't want to see um, offensive, defensive-wise. So, yeah, Pats, Jags, I'll go with the Pats. Let's kind of move over to the NFC. We're going to bring on our buddy Alex in just a few minutes to talk some Lakers for the final segment. Uh, in the NFC this weekend, we have the Falcons at the Rams. The Rams are minus six, and the Panthers at the Saints. The Saints are minus six and a half. Um you know, I'm going to go through. I've been on the Rams all year long, but I, I just don't know if the Falcons can score with the Rams this year. You know, when we think about the Falcons, we keep thinking about what they did last year. This Falcons team hasn't been very good this year. They've squeaked by. Remember, they sh- probably shouldn't even be in the playoffs. They had that victory against Detroit when Golden Tate was down right on the one. And that game um, ended up costing Detroit getting into the playoffs and kind of pushing Atlanta into the playoffs. I just don't think this team is this is this good this year. Sark has not been very good calling the plays. Uh, I'm going with the Rams, and I'm going to go uh, also with the Saints. I guess I'm going to go chalk-chalk there in the first round through the bracket um, in the NFC. To me, the matchup that controls the entire NFC playoff picture is that Falcons-Rams game. Like you mentioned, the Falcons have been inconsistent. If you remember, they were my uh, preseason Super Bowl pick. I was going to buck the trend of the NFC champ not doing well the following year. They at least did that because most of the time the NFC champ does not, or the Super Bowl loser, I should say, does not make the playoffs the following year. So the Falcons did buck that trend. But here's the interesting thing to me. And like you mentioned, they've been inconsistent all year. They've won some road games that they probably shouldn't have won, like at Seattle and stuff like that. And then they've lost some home games that they shouldn't have lost, like to the Dolphins and Buffalo. But to me, this game controls the entire playoff picture. And here's why. I'm taking the Rams and I'm taking the Saints. To me, Philadelphia, without one, does not strike fear in anybody. So you want to play in Philadelphia. You don't want to play in Minnesota. So if the Rams win that game, what that means is that they get to go to Minnesota and the Saints get to go to Philadelphia. If the Rams lose this game, then the Saints go to Minnesota. And I think they lose in Minnesota. However, I'm predicting that the Rams do win, which means that the Saints go to Philadelphia. They win at Philadelphia and the Rams go to Minnesota. I think they actually... I. Let me take that back. I think they actually can upset Minnesota, and I'm going to take them to upset Minnesota, which means that the Rams host the NFC Championship game, and the Saints just have too much experience, too much Drew Brees. They win that game. My Super Bowl is Saints-Patriots with the Saints pulling what many would probably consider an upset over the Patriots. I still think the Patriots have a lot of luck on their side. Remember, there's two Super Bowls that they should have lost against Seattle and against Atlanta. They should have lost both those games, but that's not how the way history was written. So the Saints, to me, are a team of destiny. After their 0-2 start, I've been extremely impressed with them. They're fantastic on special teams. They're very, very well balanced. They're fifth in passing, fifth in rushing. Can't get much more balanced than that. Breeze had 11 games this year where his passer rating was over 100. So when you flipped over to the defensive side of the ball, you get to find, you get to find the same consistency. Once again, they were a sack machine with 42 sacks. They only gave up 20 all year. They were able to uh, pull down 20 INTs this year. They were 10th in points allowed and fourth in points scored. So 
very consistent, both sides of the ball. They're my Super Bowl champ. We're pretty similar in most. Um, so, yeah, I went Rams beating the Falcons, Saints beating the Panthers, and I'm going to pick the Saints. I mean, the Saints are going to be favored over the Eagles. They might, they're probably going to be favored on the road if, if they win that game because I don't know how anyone can trust what they've seen from Nick Foles right now in, in the few weeks. And then Vikings-Rams. This is the one, Mikey, where I'm going to be rooting. I'm going to be rooting like crazy for them. But I just think the the Rams are still about a year away. Um, they're they've been so good. McVay's been so good. Um, Aaron Donald's now been incredible on the defensive end. I will root, and I think they can win. Remember when they went to Minnesota and they lost? It was that big drop by Cooper Cup in the end zone that really changed the complexion of the game. And there was also that. Um, that uh, girly where he hit the pylon and they reversed it. And there were a couple of really big plays that just changed everything in that game. I think it didn't, it was, wasn't quite as much of a beatdown as it looked on paper, but I will say the Vikings, they're a little under the radar to me. You know, they've had such a good year. Keenum has been so incredible. Um, the coaching staff's done a great job and they could very easily get three home games now. Remember, the Super Bowl is in Minnesota. I don't think the Eagles are going to win. In my opinion, Minnesota is now the de facto number one seed in the NFC. For me, I think it's going to be Vikings, Saints, and I'm going to pick the Vikings to go all the way through. So for me, I've got Pats, Vikings, pretty chalky in the Super Bowl. But it's been that kind of a year, at least in the AFC. The NFC um, is much more wide open. I think you you can honestly make a case for any of the teams in the NFC. I just feel like the... The Rammies are about a year away. I just can't see a guy who lost his job as a starting quarterback last year leading his team to the Super Bowl. I just the, I'm, the not, I'm not willing I, to do it. I'm just the only not problem I have with that is you gotta under, you gotta take it into account and you gotta under, you gotta just use the perspective. Remember that was Fisher was struggling and the backup was a was a number one pick that they had a lot of money and a lot invested in. So that was never really Case Keenum's team. He's been an absolute stud this year. He has done nothing wrong. And that's the way that things happen in sports and particularly in the NFL. You go one bad year to the next and and you're awesome. And think about how many players, I mean, think about a guy like Eli Manning. Think about a lot of players who have had mediocre to above average careers, but that Super Bowl win just puts the stamp on them. There have been quarterbacks worse than Case Keenum with teams that are, you know, similar to Minnesota, built the way Minnesota is. Defense, run the football. They have offensive weapons too. To me, you know, I think they're not going to have to move out of Minnesota. They're, they're going to get three straight home games if if things play out the way I see it. I'll be rooting for the Rams, but I do think it's going to be Vikings-Pats in the Super Bowl. And I, I would I would pick the Vikings at home. That would be an incredible experience. So that would be the only game that where I would go a little off the chalk. I'll tell you what, man, if if Case Keenum has a ring and Dan Marino does not, oh man, I, I don't even know if I could live with myself. Well I'll be very disappointed. I'm I'm gonna be uh <laughs> it's gonna be the Gino Bacola show then it looks like pretty soon in a few I know. weeks after Minnesota wins. I know. <laughs> well, that was good stuff. Once again, encourage everybody to get on board with our NFL playoff contest. Should be a lot of fun, an opportunity, you know, talk a little smack and um you know, make this a little bit more interactive. You know, one thing before we get to the break, Gino, is we, you know, we've been getting the data on our uh, show numbers and uh, number of clicks and things of that nature. Big thank you to all of you for being such big supporters. 
you know, literally we are in the thousands and thousands of clicks, especially on demand between iTunes and YouTube and all the other ways that you could find our show. We're literally in the thousands. It's a lot stronger than the live edition. Once again, we kind of addressed that at the top of the show where a friend of mine is at work and besides being at work, you know, she would, she's been a loyal listener, but because of the uh, blocker on the company's internet filter, not able to listen anymore, unfortunately. But where I'm going with this is 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 that you know um, when it's w- when most of your listeners come uh, on the on-demand edition, it's a little bit more difficult to be interactive in terms of phone callers and live yeah, no, emailers that's, that's- and things of that nature. This is a way that we've come up with to make this more interactive and more dynamic. We have just as much of an appreciation for people who listen to the show in the evenings or whenever they have time to as the live listeners. And so we want to make this an opportunity to uh, include everybody in the process and be able to, you know, boast a little bit, brag a little bit, have a little bit of fun and, uh, and see where this goes. Yeah, we're going to start to do this stuff too. So make sure you follow along on social media with us because we're going to post stuff for polls and questions so we can get your opinions and then we can kind of read through some of the fan opinions on the show and we we can stay a little interactive that way so we're yeah we've had a really successful first uh first i guess half of the year uh, uh half of 2017 and now we're into 2018 so thank you to everyone out there remember if you're listening um it takes just a minute if you can head on over to itunes and leave us a nice review uh, a five-star review and a rating those are great they help us move up the charts and um they kind of uh, enable other people who are searching for our show to see what we're about. So all positive stuff. And uh, I think we just need to take a break and then we're going to bring on Alex and talk a little Lakers, right, Mikey? That sounds good. We'll be back in a few short seconds. Laker talk. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're diving into planning your 2018 outdoor adventures. Find out about prime DIY hunting opportunities across the country. Get the how-tos of applying for tags and listen for advice from the pros who hunt full-time. Joining us is Kevin Steele, host of Peterson's Hunting Adventures, Jeremy Millette with Silencer Shop, Mrs. Bunny, and more. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here with Mike Abadir, and we're bringing in our guest for this week's show from Lakers SBN. He's a contributor. I was reading a couple of his articles just the other day. He is a Laker. I guess we really haven't talked about if he's a Laker fan, but I get the gist that he's a Laker fan. He covers the Lakers, and he knows the Lakers very, very well. That's Alex Regla. Alex, thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, Alex and I were joking last night, um, late after the uh, the the tough Laker game, that we were just going to spend the time talking about wrestling instead today, Mike, because I found out Alex is also <laughs> a wrestling fan. But we won't hijack the show yet. We'll save that. We'll, we'll try to get Alex in the uh, in the the football pick'em pool. That way, if he wins, then we can hijack a segment of the show and talk some wrestling uh, next time. Alex, <laughs> That's the only Alex. way it could happen. But yeah, okay, <laughs> next time he comes on. But uh, Alex, this this Laker team. They started the year, and it was kind of eerily similar to last year. You know, it, through the first 20 games last year, they were 10-10. and 10. This year, I think the first 18, they were something like 8-10. and 10, But they weren't getting beat up ever. They were, you know, they were getting down by 15 or 20 points. They were coming back. Everybody was making strides. We were seeing glimpses from everyone. And then, you know, we, there was a really good streak where, you know, it, a couple weeks back, it looked like they were turning a corner. They won at Philly at the Hornets, then close losses to the Knicks, the Cavs, uh, they beat the Rockets, and a couple close losses to the Warriors. But since then, Lonzo got hurt, um, and right before he did, they blew a game against Portland, and they have been honestly just bad in the last six games. What have we seen go wrong and really change, I mean, besides the obvious of just no Lonzo? Yeah, no, I actually tweeted something out about this yesterday that um, I think it's good variables, a ton of variables going into it. Like you mentioned, the, the tough schedule. It felt like for a while they played either the Rockets or the Warriors every other game. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's really hard, and especially on the road, that's really hard to do for a young team. And then it, when you add in the injuries, you know, Brooke Lopez has been out for almost three weeks. He just came back yesterday. Uh, Lonzo's missed the last seven games. He should hopefully be back on Friday. And then uh, KCP has actually been, um, for people following the team, He's actually had a work release, so he's allowed to play games, but only within the state of California. So they've been basically missing three starters, have been on the road playing top-tier teams, and it's just, I think the fatigue and, honestly, the regression of some of the young players have have uh, caught up to them, and it's tough for them to win these types of games. It seemed like last night, uh, after the game, hearing Luke Walton talk, this was one of the games I think that frustrated him the most all year because, um, you know, I think us as fans the last few years of the Lakers and people that have watched this team, we, we've started to understand, you know, young players, they're going to grow, they're going to have games where they look really good and then, you know, inconsistencies. But the one thing that we've seen from this Laker team most of the year was effort. They've been pretty good on defense. Um, they've, they've moved their feet. They've just tried hard. Even games when their shots aren't going down, they look like they're, you know, they're battling. They look like they want to win. Um, for most of the season, it's felt like they, these guys like each other on the bench and they've been a good team. But then the, the last couple of games, they just, like you mentioned, it, this stuff have added up. They just really didn't seem to compete last night. And I think that was what kind of frustrated Luke the most, because even when your shots go, aren't going down, um, you can you can compete. Kuzma is 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 one article that I like that you wrote um, recently. You were talking about how good he was, and then he kind of had a, a little bit of a lull now and then. But Alex, how 
how, where would this team be without Kuzma? I mean, coming into the season, you could not have expected this kind of contributions from, you know, a, a late a late first round pick. But he's leading this team in scoring. It. Where would they be without him? Yeah, I, I mean, without Kuzma playing as well as he has, uh, this team would be really hard to watch. And um, he was actually one of the more vocal people after the game yesterday who kind of called out the team's effort and how they were playing selfishly. And it's kind of it's kind of ironic that the, the you know the rookie has to do this, It'd be the vocal leader in the locker room. But it's he, that's just that speaks volumes to how well he's actually been this season. And like you said, I don't know where this team would be without his shooting specifically. I mean, this team ranks dead last in three-point shooting, and he leads the team in it as a rookie. It's just, yeah, they would be completely lost without Kuzma. Alex, let me ask you a question regarding their head coach, Luke Walton. To me, it seems like when the Lakers hired him, the message was kind of loud and clear. He is going to be a great NBA head coach. He did a fantastic job filling in with the Warriors, and we believe in him. We believe he is our next Phil Jackson. He's the next legendary coach. He's the next, you know, Riley, the guy that's going to be leading the, you know, showtime of of the 2000s and, and beyond. And my question to you is, how is he doing as a head coach, number one? Secondly, do you think there comes a point in time where they say, you know what, he's just not the right guy for young player development and we got to look a different direction? Or are, do you think they're in this for the long haul? Yeah, so when they, when they first brought Luke on, I think the, the main uh, reason was the, he was a player's coach. That's what they kept saying. And because right before him, you know, previous coach was Byron Scott, and he really clashed with the Lakers' young guys. And bringing Luke in, we thought that would kind of solve a lot of those issues. Um, but then the last season kind of felt the same as the previous, where D'Angelo Russell had some um, off-court issues and seemed like there was some stuff going on in the locker room, and then he got traded. And now this season, he's actually kind of clashed a bit with Julius Randle, with, specifically with his minutes. And um, it's tough to, to truly judge him, because I feel like he has a system he wants to play in, and this roster construction, maybe does it fit that system? Um, when you have Brooke Lopez and uh, Julius Randle and Larry Nash Jr., it's tough to to spread the floor completely where Julius and uh, Larry Nance can't really spread the floor. Brooke Lopez has been able to spread the floor recently, but he it's kind of new to him, and he's slow-footed. And, I mean, you would think that they want to play Warriors pace, but they really don't have the, the horses to run that system. So it's really hard to judge him with this current construction. I think the main critique of him uh, early on has been his minutes, the way he hands out the minutes. Julius Randle has been arguably the best player this season for the Lakers. He's played the least amount of minutes in his career. And I think that's that played a part into their team meeting recently where they kind of vented on their frustrations with how the team has been playing and maybe with the minutes they've been receiving. Um, this next summer is going to be huge for this team and the the max players they're trying to bring in and if those players come in and they continue to struggle, you know, with Lakerland, they'll, they'll be gladly to get rid of a coach if, you know, they feel he's not living up to expectations. Yeah, and, and you know, one thing that I don't think the Lakers, it's, it's kind of too early to say that we've had, they've made any franchise selections in the draft with, uh, with some of their early lottery picks that they've had. But I am pretty safe to say that 
they really haven't missed Alex. And the one thing that I really like what I've seen from the Lakers is how well they've been able to draft late in the draft. You look at Nance, you look at Clarkson, you look at Kuzma, and you look at Josh Hart. That, that's one guy I really wanted to mention. I love Josh Hart. I want to see more minutes for Josh Hart. I think you even asked the question, is this going to be the Lakers starting shooting guard next year? I would not mind. He is an excellent basketball player. He does all the little things right. And he actually shoots the ball pretty well for a team that doesn't shoot the ball well overall. He makes good decisions. I like Josh Hart. We just we need one of these guys to be an A player. It seems like we've got a lot of B minuses and a lot of Bs in here. Yeah, you're 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 dead on. I mean, everybody loves Josh Hart. From anyone who covers the Lakers, the fans of the team, he he's just like that Derek Fisher type of player who just he plays hard and he does with the little minutes he does get. You, you see the impact he has on the floor. And you're right. I mean, this team is drafted like really well. They actually um, for fans of uh, basketball breakdown, they were actually named best front office in the NBA specifically because of how well they've drafted. And you're right. They they usually hit with the late picks, the Nance pick, the Hart pick, even uh, Thomas Bryant, who's 42nd pick, he's been destroying in the G League, and he's a looks like a really good center prospect for the future. And even a guy like uh, Zubats, who last year people yeah. thought he would be a, a cornerstone for the team, he actually hasn't even played that much this season because of the, the way these other guys have been performing. And um, you're right, it, it seems like they're waiting for one of these guys to hit big, uh, whether it be Lonzo or Kuzma or, or Ingram, um, it, it's really hard. It's really hard to to judge how well they've been doing. Just, they're so young. I mean, for Ingram's still twenty years old, and this is only his second season, so we don't know yet which one's going to hit. It seems like Kuzma has is the closest at this at this point. But um, yeah, they're. I think they're expecting at least one of them to hit big, and that'll be the selling point for free agents in the next summer. Hey, to continue on that path of uh, draft picks panning out, and we've got a little bit less than three minutes here, so I'm going to try to phrase this question uh, in as efficient of a manner as possible. If It's a two-fold question. If we could go back to last summer and redraft, did the Lakers take ball? And the second part of the question is, if you were in charge and you could go back to last summer, do you take ball? Ooh, that, that is a tough one. I actually do think the Lakers probably still take ball second. I think Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka are in love with this kid, and I think they have the most trust in him. And you know what? Even though he did have his shooting struggles early on, he really came on the last few games before he got injured and really has been getting praise from all over the NBA from actual players. And I, I feel, I mean, if you look at the guys who drafted behind him, there there have been some some that have performed better than he has, but also some that have performed worse. They look at De'Aaron Fox, who was linked to the Lakers before the draft. He, he's been arguably worse than Ball, Josh Jackson. We haven't even seen Fultz. Ball. Exactly. You haven't even seen Fultz, who got drafted in front of Ball. I mean, the guys who have been panning out are the guys, in, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Kyle Kuzma, Laurie Markkinen. These guys were the big-name guys coming into the draft. Uh, if I had a, if, I mean, if I had a redraft, I, I love Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit on the Lakers, but you know, I'm not giving up on Ball. I, I he he impacts the t- the the game so much. I mean, it doesn't show up in the box score. I know it's kind of a cliche thing to say, but he he just does so much on the floor, and you can tell how much they've missed him in his absence. This team is is not the same team they had with with Ball, specifically on his defense. His defense has been the most impressive thing for me. 
He blocks, steals, and he was at one point, I'm not sure if he steals, he was leading the uh, point guards in blocks in the NBA. Not rookie point guards, all point guards. Um, that, that's that's what I like about Lonzo. I think um, he, you're, you're right, he pushes the pace. Just He just really just changes the complexion of the game for the Lakers. So if it was me, I would, I would also pick Lonzo again. I think he... It's going to be good for him now with his dad in Lithuania for a little while too. I think maybe he can fly under the radar a little bit and just and just play some basketball, you know, just play some ball and not have to worry about everything else that goes along with it. Now Kuzma's got a little bit of the of the focus on him too, so hopefully we can get Lonzo back because it looks like in the next couple of weeks the Lakers play pretty much every other day now. And you pointed out, Alex, the schedule will start to even out a little bit for them. Hey, you know what, guys? I hate to interrupt here, but we got about 30 seconds to close, and we'll have to bring Alex back on to yeah. talk about all these things. But why don't we have Alex give out how people can follow him? Oh, yeah. So you guys can uh, follow me on uh, Twitter at, at Alex Regla. Also, you know, you can follow us at Silver Screen Roll and uh, on SB Nation. That's where I do all my writing and uh, game previews and editorials, that type of stuff. But, yeah, I, I usually try to do live uh, tweets during the game. So, yeah, that'd be great. You guys can follow me there. There you have it. Well, thank you, Alex. Definitely appreciate it. Thank Thank you you for our listeners. And we uh, will be tweeting out that link for the fantasy uh, football pick'em contest. Alex, I hope you join in as well. And we will see you guys next Thursday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.